Welcome back to the Cultivate NYC podcast. I'm Luke Howard, the spiritual development pastor here at Cultivate NYC. And if you're listening to this podcast, this podcast does, exists to serve the church, grow the disciple, and help us engage our culture and our community for the gospel. And in this episode of the Cultivate NYC podcast, we are simply going to be walking through the material in which we would be walking through for our coming up Bible study. If you know anything about Cultivate NYC, we meet every Thursday night at 7 o'clock at our office space for Bible study. And we really believe at Cultivate NYC that we want to be a people who are in the Word and know the Word. Because if you're in the Word and you know the Word, then you will be of the Word. Meaning it will transform the way you live, transform the way you interact with people, transform the way you love people. And ultimately, it will transform the way that you think about yourself. And so today, we're going to be in Psalm Excuse me, a little loud. Brother just ran down the stairs. We're going to be in Psalm 23. Now, I know, right when I heard, right when I said Psalm 23, anybody that's been in the church uh, has heard this psalm over and over and over. And I don't want us to lose track of its gravitational pull because we have heard this psalm over and over. And if you haven't heard this psalm over and over, you're in for an absolute treat because this is the sweet picture where God comes brings his word, and it's really sweet on our lips. It's really good news. We say the gospel is good news, but with this, we really mean it's good news. So look with me in Psalms 23. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And lastly, in verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of my days, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, at Bible study, we'll ask questions and open it up for Specific topics like, um, you know, icebreakers and such. But in this episode, just on the podcast, we're going to go straight to the content. You see, in Psalms 23, what the Lord is doing is he's looking at his people. Specifically, David is speaking here. I know we think that David wrote all the Psalms. I don't believe he wrote all the Psalms. But in Psalms 23, it's really believed that he did, in fact, write this. And what David is specifically writing is that he's writing that the Lord provides comfort that the Lord provides comfort in a way that is transcendent. What I mean by that is when the book of Revelation came out, uh, it's known as an apocalyptic book, meaning it transcends those who believe in it. Why? Because Revelation is a whole story about how the end is to be, the end times, the things to come. And that hope that we have in the end transforms and transcends how we live today. Well, in Psalm chapter 23, it's happening in the same way. The truths of this text transcend us. Because there's truths in here that I would say, well, I don't know. Do I feel like he's my shepherd? Do I feel like I do not want? Do I feel like I lie down by green pastures and still waters? That's not exactly the point, Right? When Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me, he's not saying physically every morning, go and grab a cross. But the truth of pick up your cross is saying, I die to myself and I raise anew in Christ each day. I deny myself and I proclaim Christ. Well, in this passage, what 
what David is saying is that the reality between the relationship between the creator and the creature is that the creator gives the creature hope and transcendent life. Hope and transcendent life in that, in this current circumstance, moment, momentary affliction or momentary triumph, you name it in your life, regardless of your circumstance, that he gives us hope. He gives us comfort. He gives us new life. So let's look here in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. John Calvin says this about this passage. It should be observed that God is a shepherd only to those who, touched with a sense of their own weakness and poverty, feel their need of his protection, and who willingly abide in his shepherd fold and surrender themselves to be governed by him. What is Calvin trying to say? The Lord is my shepherd means I have put myself underneath the governance of that shepherd. Now, what's interesting about verse 1 is when it says, the Lord is my shepherd, we know in the Old Testament there's multiple different names for God. When you read the Lord, it could mean, um, you know, Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh. In this instance, when it says the Lord, it means Jehovah, which Jehovah means shepherd. So what is David saying in verse 1? Read it like this. The shepherd, the shepherd, that's my shepherd. The creator, the holder of all things, the one who shepherds, comforts, protects us from evil, that's my shepherd. And because that is a true reality, I shall not want. Now, David is not saying that we don't want. I want you just to hear this pretty clearly. David is not expressing a lack of desire or wanting. In fact, it's the exact opposite. He's making a claim that desire in itself, outside of the shadow of God's, you know, protection, is like chasing after the wind. But because Jehovah is our shepherd, he may want, we may want, we may desire freely because in it all, God is at the center. So what is David saying? I shall not want anything outside of the scope of our God. Why? Because anything outside of the scope and picture and desire of our God is nothingness. The very things that we desire are, that are against our God are nothing. But the very things that God desires is what we will desire because he is at the center. The Lord is my shepherd. The shepherd is my shepherd. I shall not want. The shepherd changes my desires and my wants. If we believe this, it transcends our entire perspective on who God is and how, we, and how that impacts how we live our lives. A life that is lacking, therefore, nothing. Not that I don't have needs, not that I don't have wants, but it's lacking nothing in that. The shepherd is my protection. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, verse 3. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Look with me here at the very beginning in, in verse 2 when it says green pastures. The Hebrew word, which is naoth, I don't know how to say that. I'm not going to act like I do. That translation doesn't just stop at green pastures. What he says is when you get to the green pastures, it actually includes this idea of a sheep caught. That not only is it enough that you get me to still waters, that I may drink and be full, not only is it that you give me the green pastures, that I might eat and be safe, 
but you also add a sheep cot so I would not get too hot. It's the picture of full protection. How could you want, if you were next to green pastures, by still waters, laying on a sheep cot without any desire or any need or anything to scare you off? He says here in the, in the very beginning, he makes me lie down. Makes me. The makes me means he's the state of being under God's providence and protection is that we truly have no choice but to rely and relax on the goodness of our shepherd. He makes us lie down because his green pastures, his cots, his still waters are so good that all we will want is to lay down, is to drink of his still water and to relax in his green pasture. Man, what if this is the picture of our life? That even in our circumstance, even in our hardship, which he's about to get to, he doesn't stop just at green pastures. He, he, he ends with, in verse 3, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. I want to talk about it's for his namesake. Notice that he does all of this, resting, protecting, providing, caring, for his name's sake. That others may become aware of the goodness because you are in the green pasture, because you're by the still water, because you are lying on the sheep cot of comfortability and protection of the providence and protection of the Jehovah, of the shepherd. Would others come and lie next to you and trust in God as you have because the goodness of the God radiates around you? I remember uh, there's a story of of one of my closest friends growing up who had cancer, who died at the age of 12, and he continued to say, because God is God, I am good. Because God is God, I am good. You think that resonated around our middle school at the time? Tyler believed that God is God and that God is good, no matter his circumstance, which was not good, and that his circumstance would lead to death. But really, his death would lead to eternal life. What does Paul say? To live is Christ, to die is gain. He gained Christ in that, in that 12-year-old state and is with him to this day. He makes us lie down so that others may see. Lastly, verse 4 to 6, a fly over here, of course. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Look with me here. Let's close in this right here. David can only say the shadow of death. Because if you're a believer, just like Tyler... It's only a shadow. The troubles and calamities of this time, it's only a shadow. Because if you do believe, then you are without death. Death cannot consume you. Death cannot overtake you because you will believe in God, the true shepherd. David declares here in verse 4 that calamities of life will not cause him to fear because the protection of the all-knowing God is enough to comfort him. Verse 5, David doubles down on the protection God has for his people so much that they may dine in the midst of their enemies because 
Jehovah is their shepherd. And then verse 6, David circles back just as he began. The transcendent reality of a believer is that mercy, goodness, protection is our reality, not because we won't struggle, but because our shepherd is the shepherd. Because our true shepherd is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Isn't this the goodness and the beauty of the scriptures and the reality of the believer? He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil for he is with us. His rod and his staff, his rod to protect us, his staff to veer us back into the flock, they comfort us. He prepares a table before us. In the presence of our enemies, he anoints our head with oil. Our cup is overflowing. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days. We shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The truth of the scripture is this, that our shepherd that's the true and one good shepherd. This is the Cultivate NYC podcast. Thanks for tuning in.